so many memories have come flooding back. I put this on and repeat, just crying my eyes out. It made me feel so bloody alive. This song really nails the feeling of nostalgia for a place. And we all just stopped talking and just stared at the radio. Like, what is that? It's part of the noble genre of songs by women about masturbation. I love it. I love that song so much. the box meet people through their music on fbi you're tuned into fbi radio 94.5 i'm jamie taylor nielsen filling in for the incredible mia hull today on out of the box our weekly hour-long program where we tell stories through a selection of songs curated by our guests We're broadcasting, as always, from unceded Gadigal land. I want to take a moment to pay my respects to Gadigal elders, past and present, and extend that respect to any First Nations folks listening. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Sovereignty was never ceded. You bet. I'm joined today by someone I've wanted to interview for a very long time, Sydney's very own fairy gig mother, Frances Martin. She's a stalwart in the Sydney live music scene, a long-standing advocate for Australian independent music. She's programmed for radio for 2JJ in its early years, Wesco 2WS Radio. She's one of the most tenacious merch sellers I've ever witnessed and a fabulous <laughs> MC. Fran fought for independent Australian music to be counted among our Australian recording charts Fran, thank you for being on Out of the Box today. Pleasure, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to talk to you about your kind of top line big stuff, right? Like that's a big list of credits. Yeah. You've programmed for radio. You sh- shook down some people in the Australian music industry to make sure that Australian independent artists were looked after. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were not happy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very excited to hear that story in a little bit later. Yeah. Um, but I also want to talk about your role as the fairy gig mother. What What does that mean to you? The way how I see um, live music, any live um, performance, is that it's a symbiotic relationship. It's between uh, an artist, artists, and an audience. It's friction, it's magic, and it only ever happens once. By that, I mean literally the way um, an, a band can play exactly the same room. Um, but it is because, it's, it's because of all of you that make the choice. Um, you could have been anywhere, anywhere on the globe, but you've made the choice to surrender your sense of reality, your heart, and your soul. And in exchange for that surrender, those artists choose to be brave and actually open up. And it is without doubt an honour and a privilege um, to be a part of that. Um, Whether I happen to be emceeing, um, whether I happen to be merching, uh, whether I happen to be in the audience or on stage. To me, it is a huge privilege and uh, something I never, ever take for granted. I knew you'd be good at this, Fran. <laughs> <laughs> so you were raised in, in Pennant Hills. 
Tell me a little bit about little Fran. Probably a born hippie. <laughs> um, felt very alienated from a very young age. I felt very other. Um, probably we all do. Uh, but, yeah, I just uh, responded more to nature and music, uh, apparently, from a very early age. So maybe baby, baby times. This is according to my mother. I'd sing myself to sleep. So, um, yeah, uh, it was uh, two older brothers, a mother and a father until I was uh, eight. He had his first coronary at the age of six. Um, and the entirety of life, as I understood, changed when he passed uh, two years later. It was very common if a human being had a coronary. Um, most didn't live past the next two years. It was understood there would always be a second episode. So, um, yeah, it was very difficult and there was no discussion. Grief was not dealt with and uh, I, I found huge, huge comfort in um, in music. I mean, that brings me to the first song that you've selected today for Out of the Box. It's Alfie by Scylla Black. Um, this soundtrack to what I imagine was a very challenging time for you and your family. Tell me about the significance of this song. Okay, so apparently it was an alternation between Georgie Girl and Seekers. Uh, I had... I developed gastroenteritis and uh, my uh, my mother didn't think that it was a problem. Um, meanwhile, I was dying. So uh, by the time my father carried me into the hospital uh, at the Royal um, Children's Hospital in Camperdown, um, I was DOA. Uh, then they uh, induced I was in a coma. And so apparently the radio station 2SM uh, at 6am every morning played either Georgie Girl, which of course ends with Wake Up, Georgie Girl, um, or Alfie. And um, yeah, so uh, then uh, while I was in hospital, my father came to visit, uh, had a massive coronary in front of me, uh, insisted on not staying in the hospital and he was dead two days later. So then there was no contact with the family for the next uh, week or two I was in hospital. Uh, so I didn't know what was going on and then my mother came in and told me and that was probably one of the last conversations. So it was just not spoken about. So Scylla Black and this moment, Alfie, yeah, that is a, like the, it's a puncture in that <laughs> moment is such a puncture in your childhood, in your life. And this, yeah. this song is uh, just that, wow. Yeah, it's like, what's it all about, Alfie? And then it says, with, I think it says, without true love, we just exist, Alfie. What's it all about, Alfie? Is it just for the moment we live? What's it all about when you sort it out, Alfie? It is wise 
You're listening to Out of the Box. We are here with Fran Martin. I'm Jamie Taylor-Nielsen. That was Alfie by Stella Black. Fran, you lost your father at, at age eight, mm-hmm. as you mentioned. Um, and you say music became kind of a companion for you. Yeah. That's a lot of mortality that you were dealing with at a very young age. And I imagine relating to the children around you was pretty challenging. How did you find a sense of belonging in your early years? Mm, well... By music, so music became uh, the constant companion, um, and I became quite um, passionate and voracious um, about learning as much as I could. While everybody else of my age was fantasizing about being a Beatle, or perhaps ABBA, um, <laughs> I wanted to be George Martin. <laughs> um, yeah, I wanted to be a sound engineer. Um, but, of course, in those days, women didn't do those things. So, um, But mm, when it came to relating to other people, uh, probably um, my family was, I think, probably my mum was just, she was probably just too busy trying to, you know, trying to keep a home together. Mm. Um, and my two brothers were already basically, you know, out developing their own life, being so much older. There was a family who was incredibly supportive, who uh, knew via my church, um, and they were involved in um, film, and they were incredibly encouraging. The Emery's were quite, uh, had quite an effect on me and probably gave me enough self-confidence um, which I couldn't find or validation uh, within myself nor my family, whereas they gave me that. And so I was incredibly fortunate. And you mentioned that they were in film. Yeah. Were there films that they showed you? I think I'm, I'm starting to veer towards a, a film soundtrack song <laughs> that, you've, that you've selected for us. They actually didn't, uh, they didn't show me uh, either of the films which had such a huge impact, but they were... Um, certainly had a huge impact on the film um, and that family does to this day. And tell me about those films that were um, massive special to you. Mm. Yeah. So first one's Pollyanna. Yeah, of course she had a huge effect uh, because she was um, oddball. Uh, she'd lost both her mother and father uh, and she became incredibly ill as a young child. Wow. But her effects upon the community around her, um, in essence, she changed the way how the community thought. Um, she had a thing called the glad game, 
Mm-hmm. And so it didn't matter, I uh, hope it's okay for me to swear, um, didn't matter how deep in shit you were, nose deep, eyebrow deep, Jesus, when was the last time I breathed deep? You needed to find something to be glad about. And if that meant that, well, you know, blah, 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 whatever, hey, I'm still above ground, I'm not dead yet good start um and the second film which was massive to me and kind of the first time that we developed community um was a film called Harold and Maud a glorious film pitched at the time as illicit love between an ancient woman and a younger man uh but yeah nah it's not really about that it's actually to me it's one of the greatest guides um, for living and to rejoice in being it's okay to be different you know I mean we're all we are all a thousand and one idiosyncrasies of weirdness we are all um, uniquely wondrous and different I mean it's okay to celebrate that too you don't yeah you to be uh, that herd mentality is not necessarily necessarily something that you, if that's the way how you feel and you feel safe, all fine and good. But at the end of the day, I promise you when you're dying, you will not be lying on that bag going, damn, I wish I'd done more work or I wish I'd done this. No, you'll be thinking about the people that you loved and how you lived your life. And if you can't be who you are for yourself, then be who you are for every single solitary human that's supposed to find you on their journey. Because otherwise, you're fucking depriving them. So just open up. Yes, it hurts. Of course it hurts. Yes, it does. It hurts all the time. But, yeah, at least you're feeling something. So come on, get out there and live. Cat Stevens, if you want to sing out, sing out, is probably a, a good way to, to cap that thought, do you not think? Yes, I think so. As the title track of Harold and Maud, am I correct? Yeah. yeah. Well, if you want to sing out, sing out And if you want to be free, be free Cause there's a million things to be You know that there are And if you want to live high, live high And if you want to live low, live low Cause there's a million ways to go You know that there are What you want The opportunities are And if you find a new way You can do it today You can make it all true And you can make it undo You see Ah, it's easy Ah, you only need 
Well, if you want to say yes, say yes. And if you want to say no, say no. Cause there's a million ways to go. You know that there are. And if you want to be me, be me. And if you want to be you, be you. Cause there's a million things to do. You know that there are. You can do what you want. The opportunity's on. And if you find a new way, you can do it today. You can make it all true. And you can make it undo. You see. Ah, it's easy. Ah, you only Well, if you want to sing out, sing out And if you want to be free, be free Cause there's a million things to be You know that there are, you know that there are You know that there are, you know that there are You know that there are, you know that there are. On FBI Radio 94.5 this is Out of the Box. I'm Jamie Taylor-Nielsen filling in for Mia Hull today. And our guest on Out of the Box today is music advocate and fairy gig mother, Frances Martin. So I can picture a teenage Fran Martin living at this very phenomenal time for music and culture, protest, civil rights, <sighs> uh, the counterculture. Was this, was this the, the context in which you saw your first gig? Uh, yeah, probably. Um, it was probably, yes, it was probably to do with protest. Um, I know that I was also at the moratorium when I was, I didn't tell my mother, of course, I didn't tell my family. Um, but I went to uh, the moratorium when I was 10, um, standing up for people not being drafted. I know that it's hard to kind of wrap your head around, um, for some of you, but uh, what the government did was basically say, okay, all people on this date of birth uh, then go into a, well, let's just say put it into a hat, whatever, but you get pulled out and uh, you get pulled out and you are drafted. Uh, to be a conscientious objector uh, was seen as being lacking in courage. This is during the Vietnam War. Correct. So, um, yeah, you have a circumstance where there are people who are going away who are friends of family and they never return. So there's that going on. There are women who are dying every day from backyard abortions. We are doing the body count daily, um, on certainly on the ABC. Um, women's rights. Oh, and our beautiful First Nations people are fighting, fighting just to be counted to not be seen as part of flora and fauna um, with a culture that is as old. It's older than any other on earth. Um, just so much uh, that was going on at the time in um, 
at a time when I was growing up. Mm. And, you know, this is like 60s, 70s. Where are we at now? We're 50 years down the track. And somehow um, we still haven't managed um, to right all of these issues. And we need to. And so all you need is love is about coming from, well, for me, it's about, it's the Beatles. Hello, I wanted to be George Martin. Um, It's about if you come from a place of kindness, respect and love, how, how can you go wrong? Yeah. And this is actually the very first time, this song was the very first time that over 25 countries, I think, 400 million people worldwide saw this all together for the first time. Um, And it's music and it's a live performance. And at that moment in time, everyone is watching and they're all united and they're all doing the same thing all at once. Kind of like us going to the moon, whatever. It's just unification. Yeah. And for me, that's beautiful. And it's live music. It, yes, it is. And it only ever happens once. Get out there.
FBI Radio 94.5. I'm Jamie Taylor Nielsen, and this is Out of the Box. That was the Beatles, All You Need Is Love, a selection from today's Out of the Box guest, fairy gig mother and independent music advocate, Frances Martin. I want to talk about your involvement with the Kent Music Report. So uh, a weekly record chart of Australian music singles and albums compiled. Essentially, this was the original precursor to what is now the ARIA chart. Correct. Okay. Fran Martin marches. This is how I imagine this happens. Please tell me if this is right or wrong. Fran Martin marches storming into someone's office to demand that they start recognising independent Australian releases on those charts. Isn't that sweet? No, I did not. (laughs) No. So the way how it worked was there was a cache of record uh, stores which were phoned. I used to phone them. Um, And this was for the WS chart. And I, I believed very firmly in in being very accurate um, with my figures. It was really important to me. Um, And if that meant that something would chart for a period in time and then disappear, then so be it. Ah, no, 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 no. This is not the way how it's done. So each week uh, the 2WS uh, chart would be printed in the Daily Mirror um, and I would take that physical piece of paper um, and I would drop it off into uh, Kipak Street in Surrey Hills. Um, Phil McLean would come down, grab it, and then it would go to uh, the, you know, the letter setters uh, and it would be printed every Thursday morning. And uh, Phil took a look and go, hmm. And I went, well, you know, they outsold, blah, blah, blah. Um, And I just stood my ground. And I was really fortunate that uh, Phil just kind of took one look at it and just kind of went, okay, that's kind of it. And I went, look, they're independent, I understand. (laughs) They'd be selling out, you know. They'd be selling out um, singles, be suburban. um, You know, so many of these bands would be selling out. But Mm. no one was recognising the fact that in any given week some of these singles could sell two, three hundred copies and then once that stock, let's say pressing all 500, had sold out within two weeks, then it drops off the chart and then you've got to wait another six to eight weeks as opposed to the major record companies which had constant access to the prints and they're doing really large volume because they can afford to. 
And so your mission was to make sure that these independent artists who were selling out and were yeah. super popular but yeah. didn't have the resources that the major pressing plants had access to yeah. were charting and were staying on the charts. Yeah, and for me the thing was if it dropped off after two weeks, fine. That's still telling the truth. And the morning after on the Thursday, uh, let's say that there was some, I took some very interesting phone calls. No names, no pat drill, except to say that the beautiful MG Michael Gadinsky was incredibly excited uh, and he was supportive. Um, uh, MG was a beautiful human, just wonderful man. I digress. Um, yeah, so I just, I just kept saying, oh, and that includes the, uh, the board uh, and the CEO of the of the company. Uh, even thinking about it, um, my heart is in my mouth at the moment. Um, the abuse was uh, the abuse was really hard to take, um, but I stuck by my guns because I believed that um, I wasn't going to lie. I wasn't going to. I wasn't going to change my integrity. And I was not going to lie about something that I saw as being a huge, huge gap. What is our problem? Like, what is our problem with our beautiful, amazing, fantastic, gifted artists? They matter just as much as, as Cliff Rich's greatest hits, as, you know, the latest Beatle compilation. Um... Midnight all matters just as much, in fact more, because they speak our heart and our soul. And I was, I, it had got to the point where I was just kind of, you know what, if I lose my job, I lose my job, but I'm going to stand on it, I'm going to stand on my integrity, because it's not, it, you know, it was important. And so eventually when Aria came along, um, it was obvious that, you know, as an Australian Record Industry Association, it was logical that um, they should be chartered. So it's it's just a matter of integrity. It's a matter of standing. Um, it's a matter of standing up for something until everyone just kind of catches up and sees it as being normal. I'd love to know more about your connection to the Joni Mitchell song, Hajira. Where do you start with Joni? Uh, again, <laughs> where I, do you start with yeah, Exactly. As I said to um, Jamie earlier, and I'll say it again, you could spend an entire week on the woman um, who truly broke, she broke the mould um, and she broke it, making it easier for every single person who was not a heterosexual male to follow her and that's the point mm. um the reason why i've chosen hygiera is because it it loosely translates as the journey um i could have chosen so many others but there are unbelievable pearls of wisdom um if you haven't gathered by now um uh, for those of you who are listening i've chosen the songs that i have because for me, every single one of them holds some 
useful truths in the journey of life and useful tools. Um, Hygieria is such, it's such an extraordinary album. Um, many of you may be aware of Amelia, Song for Sharon. It is, I guess, during what many people would call Joni's experimental jazz period. But how do you define? Mm. How do you actually, how do you put her into a box? You can't. You know, for heaven's sake, just don't. Just like open your arms, open your heart and get to it. Like you cannot define her. Um, The lyrics in this song speak to me at so many different levels. And the last line, um, speaking of love, um, sucking her back um, that way. But, you know, it's, you know, travelling is some kind of vehicle, um, sitting in some cafe, a defector of the petty wars that shell-shocked love away. It's, it's such a, you know, here I am, a chicken scratching for my immortality. Um, you know, seeing life from the forceps to the stone. She's just, it's about the journey of life, I guess. She informs, she informs the majority of my day. She informs the way how I think, and I still consider it uh, an incredibly treasured time that when she toured while things run fast in 19, 82 I think it was or 83 I got to spend some time with her and I still uh, she taught me so much during that period in time and um, I try to disseminate that wisdom whenever I can. You're listening to Out of the Box on FBI 94.5. Our guest today is Frances Martin and this is Hygiera by Joni Mitchell. on a ballroom girl 
Whether you do or you do not reside, whether you travel the breadth of extremities or stick to some straighter line. Here's a man and a woman sitting on a rock. They're either gonna thaw or freeze. Strains of any good man coming through the snow and the pine wood trees. I'm porous with travel fever, but you know I'm so glad to be. Slightest touch of a stranger can set up trembling in my bones. I know no one's gonna show me anything. We all come and go unknown, each so deep and superficial. Between the forceps and the stone. tributes to finality to eternity and then I looked at myself here chicken scratching for my immortality in the church they light the candles and the wax rolls down like tears there is the
This is Joni Mitchell's Hygiera, a selection from today's out-of-the-box guest, Francis Martin. You're listening to FBI Radio 94.5. I'm Jamie Taylor-Nielsen, filling in for Mia Hull today on Out of the Box. So happy to have Fran here. So I want to talk to you about this experience of live music because you talk about it in almost there's a spiritual sense to it that I think you have given a lot of people in the Sydney scene a very grand sense of you're the fairy gig mother there's magic in that and I think you see the magic in live music and you actually are part of creating a lot of the magic that exists in the in the shows that you are at I always know it's going to be a good show if I see you flitting around in a crowd (laughs) in one of our venues waxing lyrical and giving hugs with reckless abandon and vaping and (laughs) 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 just laughing and cackling and I, I really I want to talk about the your experience of live music because I imagine you've seen a lot of it mm-hmm. is there a moment that you felt is there a story is there a moment that you felt a shift in live music in you know has it changed and is if it has it changed is there a moment that you saw a shift or, or felt a shift yeah it has it um okay so ladies can you imagine what it'd be like to go to a gig and we're talking mm, early 80s, so it's not that long ago, where, mm, you know, there's a female performer up there. Oh, my God. Uh, but, you know, you're not supposed to be down the front. That's where the guys are down the front going, show us your tits, um, and harassing people and doing everything else. One of the shifts I saw was with the beautiful Chrissy Amplett and Renee Geyer who would hold space and demand women down the front, you know, as not only just a protection but, you know, there was a space that, you know, you could dance, um, you could express yourself to dance by yourself uh, as a woman even in those times was seen as a louche act. It was a sexual act. You were inviting, come on, not, hey, isn't this fun? I'm using my body to express myself and responding to the music on stage. No, this is you using your body purely for whoever's gazing pleasure that happens to be and whatever else might happen to you afterwards. Mm. So, um, yes, I've seen um, it's beautiful the way how um, both venues and um, organisers, curators have made it a safe space for all, um, whether it's the LGBTQI community, whoever um, it happens to be, all are welcome just be respectful Mm. and kind and yes i've seen that change certainly in the early 2000s in sydney there was a shift a kind of a drawing upward um of people putting together uh independent nights having house concerts (laughs) home concerts so uh hence i i would uh, conduct a room for Little Peaches at 205 in Hibernian House. Um, I also did Volkswagen uh, at Cafe Lounge and in the round at the Vanguard. These gave held space for artists and many of those 
wondrous, amazing, truly gifted, extraordinarily generous, beautiful human beings um, have uh, gone on to play much, much larger stages. But I'm just proud that all I did was just, I hold, I held their hand. All I did was hold their hand and look into their eyes and say, I believe in you. And all I did was hold their hand until they believed in themselves. And that is a privilege that um, I consider to be um, something that I still hold today. And I'm just a very, very lucky woman. Well, I think there's a lot of people that would count themselves lucky to have known you as well you know I think mm. that you have played the role of chosen family for some people and and very much in in a more music sense the fairy gig mother role for some <laughs> artists you know Andy Gollidge is somebody that you have really been next to for a long time and yeah. he, and and watched him and it's not you know to take anything away from these artists but yeah. Caitlin Harnett and the oh. Pony Boys like um, many folk artists as well that yeah. are really you have been there in many capacities um, for yeah. them since the real early days. Do you have any other artists that you oh, think God. of that you're proud of and have had those kind of connections? As I said, you know, it was one of the things that um, as I was doing this, I said to Jamie, I made the concerted effort not to choose any Australian artists because it was just too hard. <laughs> Hello, NADOC week. Um, I could like I could spend an entire week um, playing Ruby Hunter, Archie Roach, Kev Carmody, No Fixed Address, The Warumpies. Uh, really, you know, where do you start? How do you stop? Dan Sultan, Emily Waranara. There are just so many exquisite, amazing, gifted, truly extraordinary artists. Australian artists, uh, yeah, I just, I, I couldn't. Um, watching Julia Jacqueline has been a huge privilege in watching her grow. Um, she, uh, you know, has gone on to uh, assuage um, and slowly but surely um, <sighs> seduce audiences around the world and that's a beautiful thing. It's just so much fun. That's the point, yeah. you know. Music is, and yes, it does carry an extraordinary weight and message, but it doesn't mean you can't have fun. And this is what both Andy and Caitlin are masters of. I describe it as um, joyous mayhem. Um, and if you've never been, um, never get caught up, you never know. You may well find that at the end of the gig, you are bare-chested, man and woman. That happens a and, lot. Yeah. And, yeah, and it has utterly nothing. It has nothing to do with sex whatsoever. I think what it is is just, hot damn, I'm so hot in here. I'm having such a good time. I just want to be free. I want to be free of everything and I just want to feel. And so, yeah, often... Um, this results in people getting almost down to their underwear. That includes the band. Um, and it's such a beautiful thing and it's so childlike and such a joyous and such an incredible kind of symbiotic joining between audience and artist. Mm. And I, every time, yes, I'm there, you know, merching, doing whatever, every time without fail when those two play it is a tide 
of human happiness. It's like they've all dropped barrel loads of ease and they are just all on a high. They may never come down and there is just these massive, wide, ridiculous, chattering grins of unmitigated, indescribable joy. Don't we all want to feel like that? Fran Martin, I want to talk about one final song with you. Neil Finn, The Devil You Know. Mm. Okay, Uh, yeah, I was kind of caught up between Do I Do Edible Flowers?, Uh, Do I do uh, Silent House? Um, I chose The Devil You Know because it's one of the few in his catalogue that uh, he still embraces some 40 years later. Um, Extraordinary song. Um, Apparently, uh, he wrote it and then he and Sharon um, would... He would actually play it to Sharon's belly when she was... Um, holding, carrying Liam within. Um, and then that meant that if Liam was having any trouble going to sleep as a baby, uh, they would just hit play. Wow. Um, and this solved some of the problems. But again, you know, I, the, you know, the lyrics to this song are extraordinary. You know, I long to see the other side of things you know what we need is just the courage to begin um it talks of the you know working the drudgery of working for the man the courage that it takes to do something else um it talks about alternatives in life um yeah and it also talks you know about that kind of well both silent house and edible flowers certainly speak of grief um it was something that I spoke with earlier with Jamie. Um, we were discussing grief and I had a belief because I had so much of it, including my own. Um, died first time apparently when I was a baby, died again when I was eight, uh, then losing my father within two weeks of my own death and it just kept going. Um, I believed that if I loved or allowed anyone to get too close, um, that they would also die. Um, and there is that aspect of realising that all, you know, didn't George Harrison put it so well, um, all things pass, all things must pass away. Of course they do. Um, so, you know, if you live, you will die. Um, and there is that grief and that missing but I believe that one of the ways that you can move through it or get through it um, is you make that person an integral part, an integral part of who you are. So hence, you know, um, in Silent House, Neil Finn, it speaks of, you know, I will carry, you know, I will carry it on and let you forget Um there is so much in the way that, again, Neil, m- m- man of economy, few words. This is one of the great, greatest things about really, really good writers. They're economical with words. But their words, literally, you know, it's like you open up, you swallow them. And they make your heart swell. They make everything larger 
almost to the point where you feel your body can't contain the love that that you feel within from these lessons that you've learned so better the devil you know is there's just you know there's so much within it it yeah with all of these songs i just say just just take a few minutes um and listen they teach you a great deal um and yeah it's it's yeah it's there is um i should also touch on the rumor um and so it can be put to bed once and for all no i didn't start it uh but there is a rumor a long it's been around for a good i don't know 10 maybe 20 years um that paul mccartney was asked by rolling stone uh what it was like to be the greatest writer of the 20th century his response was fucked if i know ask neil finn <laughs> um that is not true uh <laughs> But um, I have a suspicion who actually started the rumour, but it wasn't me. Um, but it is an absolute corker um, and in many ways really, you know, how can we say greatest? Because to each and every single one of us as humans, we all have our greatest. So, you know, or if like me, nah. I don't have a greatest. I have maybe a greatest in moments, but no, it's like asking me to choose children. I am not going to do it. Um, so the fact that Jamie actually managed to get me to do this today um, <laughs> says more about um, the respect I have for her, her charm, um, her grace and the things that she's achieved because I've been watching her grow now for, I'd say, it'd be a good 10 years. 10 years probably, yeah. Yeah, and um, it's been a privilege watching you grow and it's been a privilege um, sharing this time today and you giving me a voice to be able to express to other people um, how I feel. I just feel one very lucky little old lady thank you <laughs> i think that's a beautiful place for us to leave it thank you so 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 much for joining me on out of the box today francis martin our fairy geek mother and fearsome advocate for australian independent artists for a very long time we'll leave it there with neil finn the devil you know thanks again fran Pleasure, Jamie. Uh, and no doubt I'll see you at a Dead Witch gig very soon. See you Bye. <laughs> I long to see the other side of things. Hung on a cliff in search of something big. I can't look down.
Take 